0: You're listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. To learn more about Central Sanford, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Brumbach. Take your copy of God's Word, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse number 9. This is our last time reading through the Lord's Prayer together. And I want to go ahead and have you sand one more time as you get your Baptist aerobics in. ...for the next five-hour sermon that I'm about to (laughs) preach. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Just, just about a year ago, I went to the country of Wales on a vision trip. Uh, our missions team uh, and I were looking at potentially partnering in the country of Wales uh, to reach the Gaelic speaking people there. Uh, the country of Wales, or the, not the country, but the, the people of Wales are a part of the United Kingdom. And, and while I was there, we, we went, and, and one of the, the main parts of a vision trip is to prayer walk. So we were with missionary John Robinson and uh, and we were there, and and, the, and one of the days that we were with him, uh, we spent the entire day prayer walking. Now, prayer walking is not praying with your eyes shut and walking. That's not smart, okay? Prayer walking is just going out and walking around the village. That's what we did, walking around the town with our eyes open so that you can see the needs of people and just praying and, and having a conversation and thinking uh, and, and asking God to intervene. So we, we did that. We walked miles upon miles. I got my steps in that day. And then that evening we ended. We had about a couple hour break. And then we went to John's house uh, for a prayer meeting. And when we were there, we, we gathered together for prayer with some other believers uh, that were Welsh believers. And, and what we did in that prayer meeting is the reason why we're doing this sermon series. Is that we prayed that evening through the Lord's Prayer, phrase upon Phrase. And, and that really just made a complete impact in my life. And, and that's why I said, you know, what, I want to do a sermon series through the Lord's Prayer. And I believe, I don't know about you, I believe this sermon series, God's doing something with it, don't you? God's doing something as we get serious about prayer. So, so we were in the room and we were getting to the last phrases. Now... Uh, The last petition. I know some of you have questions. What about thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever? That's another time for another topic. We'll talk about why it's not in ESV and why it's in other translations. Needless to say, in the older manuscripts, that phrase is not found. So so there's your answer there. You can Google it up while I'm preaching. I'm sure you already are. So we get to the last petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And every time we would get to one of these phrases, John would just kind of share just a little bit about this. And here's what he said. Now, this is paraphrasing what he said. He said, what most people don't realize is how powerful this phrase is. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. He said, the reason that a lot of people don't see that it's powerful is because they do not understand the great spiritual warfare that we are engaged in as believers. In Wells. We see daily spiritual attacks on the handful of believers that we have here in this part of the United Kingdom. He said the spiritual darkness in the land is so dark that it is aware of of, of, as we pray this prayer. And he says that as we have intentionally prayed this prayer as believers here in the country, we have seen God move the darkness away. See, I'm afraid that many of us in America are ignorant to the spiritual warfare that is around us. And and a lot of it is because when we think of spiritual warfare, we think of persecution. We think of being oppressed as believers. We think of some sort of demonic activity that causes us to have problems. And we think, well, that's in other parts of the world, but that's not happening here. Well, let me just share with you how Satan works. Satan, in some parts of the world, sends persecution. Sends just some of the evilest, craziest things you could ever imagine. But in America, in our western world, you know how he does it? He does it in different ways. And what Satan does is he doesn't necessarily in America send great blatant persecution, which I do think is coming, by the way. But what he does do is he lulls us to sleep. And he allows us just to continue to live in a country of affluence and materialism. And living in a society where where people are just living for themselves, that's how Satan is moving. And I want you to understand, that's spiritual warfare. And the reason why we're seeing a lot of churches closing their doors, the reason why we're seeing a lot of believers uh, breaking down in their walk with God is because they are ignorant to the battle that's in their life. The Westminster Confession of Faith says this, the Christian is involved in continual and irreconcilable war. This morning, this final petition in the Lord's Prayer reminds us that we have a daily fight against spiritual enemies. Now, if this is your first time here this morning, I know that maybe this seems to be a weird topic for you. But as we go through the Lord's Prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer, which many of you maybe have memorized and understand... It is the prayer of prayers. It is 52 words in English. It can be read, it can be read in less than a minute, but yet it takes an entire lifetime to comprehend. This last petition this morning is a call to arms. It is a reminder of the daily fight that we have against the evil inside of us, temptation, and the evil outside of us, the evil one. So this morning, to pray, lead us and deliver us. We're acknowledging our inability to overcome the danger of evil on our own, and we are relying on God to deliver us from it. That's, that's the gist of what we're praying. When we pray, lead us and deliver us, we're acknowledging our inability, and we're relying on God's ability. So let's look at this this morning. Two things. Number one, the danger of evil. He says in this phrase, lead us not into temptation. On the surface, many of us may be gloss over that, glaze over that, don't even think about that, but for others, it causes a lot of confusion. Has this phrase ever confused any of you? Because we understand God's desire to feed us. We understand God's desire to forgive us. But what does it mean for God to lead us into temptation? Why is it that we need to ask God not to lead us into temptation? And so there's a lot of confusion here. Well, let me just tell you where the Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear that God does not entice you to do sin. Very clear on that. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 13, Let no one say when he's tempted... I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. If God tempted you, He would be irresistible. Scripture interprets Scripture. God cannot and does not tempt us to sin against Him. The word temptation here uh, is, is a word that can mean a trial or a temptation, an enticement to sin, or it can mean just a trial of your faith. And listen, God does allow us to go through a time of testing A trial of your faith. God does allow that. But God does not and will not tempt you to sin. He may allow you to go through a temptation. Listen, if you are a Christian, it is inevitable. It is also helpful for you to go through trials. Trials burn off impurities in your life. They they create a greater self-knowledge. They help you grow in love and and in faith and endurance and humility. But when there is a temptation to sin against God, that doesn't come from God. So what does he mean here, lead us not into temptation? Well, I think that the best way to understand that is to look at the next phrase, but deliver us from the evil, but deliver us from evil. Literally, you can translate that. I think it's the best translation is from the evil one. And what this is, is Jesus here is using a tool called parallelism. It's Hebraic parallelism in which the second line illuminates the first line. So the second line says, but deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. The evil one is Satan. So what what we have to understand is that God will not lead us to sin against him, but he will protect us from temptation that comes from Satan or even from the flesh. Because temptation can be very dangerous to your walk with God. So look at the phrases here. He says, lead us and deliver us. Those phrases are shepherding terms terms of what a shepherd would do. He would lead the sheep. He would deliver the sheep. They're words of dependence. They're not words of self-sufficiency. They're words of powerlessness or desperation. In other words, what, what, what the thought is this, is that God, if you don't lead me away from temptation, and if you do not protect me, I'm in trouble. See, God, I I want you to, to, to guide me so that I am not out of your will and unnecessarily place myself in the way of temptation. When you pray this prayer, you are acknowledging how weak, how frail, how insufficient you are to face the onslaught of temptation both inside you and outside you. See, there's a danger of inside evil. When here, he says, deliver us from temptation, there's this understanding that this prayer is not even a prayer against sin. He doesn't say, Lord, deliver me from sin. He says, deliver me from temptation. Jesus, two times in the Garden of Gethsemane, will tell his disciples, watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. Temptation and sin are not the same thing. You need to understand that. It is not a sin to be tempted. But temptation always precedes sin. What is a a temptation? A temptation is a desire plus opportunity. Temptations are tempting. So if I struggle with overeating, and maybe some of you do, the desire for comfort, the desire for pleasure, often finds its satisfaction in food. And so the desire for food plus an all-you-can-eat buffet is a temptation that in my own strength I'm going to struggle to overcome. Do you get that? So a desire. I love food. You love food. All God's people love food. But some of you really love food. And a all-you-can-eat buffet plus a desire to eat food is something I need to be rescued from. Amen? So that's what he's saying here. Lord, I need you to deliver me to keep me from situations because I know that inside of me dwells no good thing. John Owens puts it this way. He says, let no one pretend to fear sin that doesn't fear temptation also. These two are too closely united to be separated. He does not truly hate the fruit who delights in the root. See, the seed of every sin is in every heart. So the blame of sin doesn't fall on God, but it falls on us. You and I are born, the Bible says, totally depraved. not utterly depraved, but totally depraved, which means that you and I have the potential to do and be the worst and to do the worst, most unimaginable things possible. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a theological television show that really changed binge watching of television. It's a show called Breaking Bad. Now, those of you that are heathens and sinners in the room, you know this, the show I'm talking about. But the show is, is, is the premise of the show is a guy named Walter White who is just a uh, mild-mannered chemistry teacher in New Mexico. And yet he's diagnosed with some incurable disease, incurable cancer, and then he starts to panic and, how am I going to provide for my family? And the next thing you know, he becomes one of the great leaders of a drug cartel in the Southwest. Goes by the nickname Heidelberg. Now, I did this in researching in the Internet. It's (laughs) not... But basically, the ending of the show, and it really is theological. I mean, if you think, there, there is an arc there that's really theological. Here's a man who whom you, the world would never think, and what made him such a good character is you never would think this guy would be this evil, but he ends, and you almost hate him at the very end of the show. Because within himself is the most unspeakable evil. We have to understand that about each and every one of us, Amen. That, listen, when we are asking God to lead us away from temptation, we are understanding the power of indwelling sin. Paul Tripp, in his book, Dangerous Calling, writes about pastors who fall into sin. How many of you have heard, and you don't have to raise your hand, have heard of pastors who have just fallen? About four or five years ago, I feel like in Central Florida, we had about seven or eight pastors who were in big ministries and big churches doing great things, and they failed morally. They fell, and they lost their ministry. And Paul Tripp on this text, on this issue, he says that there are two things that people, pastors who were in ministry who fail, had in common. Two things. You know what they were? Number one, there was an absence of real community in their lives with other believers. They weren't in a group, they had no accountability. There was no other brothers or sisters pouring into their lives. And the second is this they didn't take seriously the power of indwelling sin. They said, I'm I'm okay. I don't need help. We have to be aware of the blinding power of sin in our hearts. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 7. He says, what comes out of the person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, and foolishness out of the human heart. There are television shows, there are movies that are just despicable and evil. Things that you wouldn't even imagine. You wouldn't even want anyone to even watch. And I don't. And you shouldn't. There are things that you shouldn't watch. Listen, if you're watching a television show and inside of you, you're saying, this isn't right, shut it off. Shut it off. But the thought is, well, where do they get all this evil, vile, wicked thoughts? Well, in the human heart. It's, all, it's inside of all of us. And when we pray, deliver me from temptation, we are acknowledging that in ourselves is the potential to do the most evil things imaginable. We have to understand that. Because I'm afraid that many of us in the pew say, I would never do that. I could never imagine that. And that's what Satan wants to hear. Because an unguarded strength is a double weakness. So there's a danger from within. That's temptation. But there's also a danger from without. That's the evil one. See, if you are a child of God, then Satan is your enemy. He's not your friend, me, He's your enemy. Satan and demons are real. You say, I don't believe it. Come work with me for a week. I'll show you they're real. There is an an invisible warfare that is going on. There are enemies who are hell-bent on destroying your spiritual life. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Screwtape Letters, says this. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors with which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The greatest lie that Satan has ever told is that he doesn't exist. But the other is this, is to believe and to feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. So there's two extremes. Either you deny their existence or you blame everything on them. And see, Satan is both pleased with materialists, but he's also pleased with magicians. Here's what I want you to leave with this thought. We must not underestimate the demonic. And nor should we overestimate our own strength. Each and every one of us has our own struggles. And the enemy wants to exploit that weakness at any opportunity. Listen, beloved, we have an enemy who is scheming to attack us in specific places where we're most vulnerable. Listen, it is easy to say when we see other people fall, it is easy to say when we see other situations, I would never do that. I would never cheat on my wife. I would never look at that online. I would never say that about another person. I would never lose, try to gain the world and lose my soul. Listen, it's easy to say I would never do that. And so Satan says, well, good. I would never tempt you there. I'll use a different bait. Because every one of us has a weakness. Oscar Wilde says, I can overcome anything but temptation. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You know the guy who said that? What was his name? That wasn't rhetorical. Who wrote that? Peter. Peter. We have a big contingency this morning that's still asleep. What do we know about Peter? Well, Peter, the only time he ever closed his mouth was to change feet. It's amazing how that took a little while. He was tempted, right? Jesus said he was going to deny him how many times? Three. Peter was told by by Jesus that Satan wants to sift him like wheat. And Peter is the one who is writing, understanding the pain of being devoured by the devil. Have you ever been devoured by the devil? And he understood the pain of falling to temptation. He's the guy who heard Jesus pray this in the model prayer. Jesus warned Peter. said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. What did Peter say? No way. What did Peter do? He He denied Jesus three times. He thought he was stronger than what he really was. The Bible says, therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The enemy is out there. When we pray this prayer, it is an acknowledgement of the danger inside. It's it's an acknowledgement of the danger outside. Listen, here's what I know. The enemy will always turn up the spiritual warfare in your life when you're doing a work where he has a strong rip when you are praying when you are sharing your faith when you're living for the lord when you're standing for truth and righteousness he's going to attack you and you say well pastor i've never had spiritual attack then you're not doing anything that's making him mad he has no problem when you do nothing but you start living for the lord listen it's amazing we have people that give their life to jesus christ And and I tell them, listen, when you get saved and you surrender your life to him and you get baptized, listen, there's a devil after the baptism. That before you were in collusion with Satan, now you're in collision with Satan and he ain't going to be happy. Just because you become a believer doesn't mean everything's going to go happy, honky, and dory. Satan's going to be after you. And when we as a church actually get serious about prayer when we as a church actually get on our knees to pray for our city, to share the gospel with the people that we love, he's not going to be happy. My my brothers and sisters, do not be ignorant. Satan is your enemy. And as we pray this prayer, deliver us and lead us, we are recognizing the powerful reality of temptation. We recognize the indwelling sin nature that we have and we understand that spiritual warfare is real and it is daily. And so we must admit that we are unable to resist temptation on our own. That apart from God, we are going to fail. We are helpless. So just as you pray for your daily bread, you need to pray for daily protection because of the danger of evil. But the second is this, our deliverance from evil. God wants us to pray. Now, I want you to think through this for a moment. God has ordained that prayer matters. Dave Mattis, who's a writer for, sovereign, uh, for, for uh, Desiring God Ministries, said this. He says, the sovereign God chooses to rule the universe in such a way that prayer plays a role. Under his hand, some events happen or not because people prayed. Others do not happen or do because they did not. Our deliverance from temptation and evil is at times dependent on our prayers. How does that happen? Listen, this is... this. Please stay with me on this. As we pray, lead us and deliver us, we are beginning the process of God's deliverance from temptation and the evil one. This is a good word. God uses our prayers to answer our prayer. Stay with me on this. See, God not only keeps us from temptation because of our prayers, but in the very act of praying, we engage more deeply in fighting against sin and temptation. See, as we pray for God to keep us from temptation, we are recognizing our propensity towards certain sins and our inability to fight them alone. Thus, as we pray, we become more aware and more dependent, and it's a way that God protects us from ourselves and from the evil one because in praying, we are preparing ourselves for the fight. When you are not aware of a fight and you are not prepared for a fight, you will often lose the fight. So as you are praying about the fight, you are then aware of the fight so that you are ready to stand when the fight happens. So here's a question, or here's a thought. Many times you're faced with temptations, and so the question is, should I do this or not? You know that that famous song, should I stay or should I go? Should I do this or should I not do this? Here's how you can answer those questions. Have you ever questioned, like, should I do this, should I not do that? Here's you want. I'm going to give you something definitive this morning. Pray about it, and clearly share with God what you want to do. So, por ejemplo, for example, Lord, would you bless me if I go to a party and get drunk with my friends, Lord? Would you bless me if I have a sexual relationship with someone I'm not married to? Lord, would you bless me if I go around telling people things that are not nice about other people that I don't like? Guess what happens? I found that when I start praying about stuff, I don't do as much bad stuff. Does that land on all of us? So before you do something, pray about it. You say, well, those are very stupid examples. I would never pray that to God. No joke. (laughs) Because you know. It's wrong. But as you pray, you see that God changes your heart. As you pray, you fortify your soul against sin and spiritual attack. Because when you pray, you remind yourself of the hallow, shallow, fleeting pleasures of sin. While... The pleasure of God is deep and enduring. When you and I pray, we reorient our hearts and minds towards God as the source of our protection and strength. And so even in the very act of praying, God is answering your prayer. Now, sometimes God doesn't deliver you the way you think he's going to deliver you. Because sometimes there's, there's temptation in your life. Sometimes there's a time of testing. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus said, temptations are sure to come. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, a guy who was very astute and understood this, he says, don't be surprised when fiery trials come. God does not always shield us from everything like your parents did. God allows you to go through a season of testing and a season of trials to strengthen your faith and to grow you. He'll never test you to sin, He'll never tempt you to sin, but He'll allow you to go through temptations. So when you pray... Against temptation and spiritual attack, you can expect two outcomes. Here are the outcomes. Number one, when you pray, in a real way, God will keep you from temptation that you would have otherwise faced had you not prayed. And two, at times, God may see fit to have you go through temptation that you prayed against so that when you do, after having prayed, you are better prepared to face it and to defeat that temptation and the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's some good news. That when temptation and testing comes, you and I are not without promises. That if we go through it, if He doesn't deliver us, that we are not alone. So let me give you a promise. I'm sure a lot of you know this promise. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Y'all know this one? No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. That word there, common to man, is just one word in the Greek. It's basically, it's, it's human. No temptation is coming to you, but such is common to humanity. God is faithful. Amen. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He understands your humanity. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, we read this, and we say Yes, All right? Here's a promise of God that, that whenever a temptation comes, there's always going to be an escape hatch. That it's going to be, I'm always going to be able to, to get away from it. And and there are times that that does happen. But the way of escape doesn't always mean you get out of temptation. Or, Or the way of escape doesn't always mean you get away from spiritual attack. Because notice what he says. He says that he will provide a way of escape that you may be able, let's say these last words together, to endure it. Did you get that? So, escape may mean that you're able to endure. Note that. Escape doesn't mean that it's always just going to go away. But what it does mean is that he's going to give you the strength to endure it. See, if you and I are able to endure temptation and say no, it's because of the enabling power of the grace of God helping us say no. That's the way of escape. Now, if you and I have escaped the design of Satan to sin against God, and if we've endured, or I'll give you another example. When we say no, we've, we've escaped Satan's design to destroy us. But let me give you an example. If we endure suffering, or if we endure persecution, and we don't curse God, but we trust God, but we've gone through it, we have escaped the design of Satan to destroy our faith. See, escape doesn't always mean you get out of it. Escape means that you get through it. So there's two ways of escape. The first way of escape is this. It's endurance. That by God's grace, you endure the trial, you endure the temptation, you endure the attack that God allows, and you don't succumb to it. That's a way that God provides escape. But another way that God provides escape is exit. That by God's grace, we exit the trial, we exit the temptation, we exit the attack, it goes away so that we don't sin. Because God knows what we can do. So here's what I want you to learn from that. God may not always keep us from temptation, but he will always keep us through temptation. Many people say, well, God will never give you what you can't bear. That's not necessarily true. God will never give you more than he can bear. God in his grace at times shields us, protects us so that we can always trust him. And the reason why we can trust him is because he's endured the worst. See, you and I can know that we're going to have victory over sin and temptation and Satan. You don't know why? Because Jesus has already won it. Everywhere. You look at Jesus' life. Everywhere in Jesus' life on earth, he faced opposition, persecution. Matthew chapter 4. That's an interesting verse here. Jesus is just baptized, and the Bible says that then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want you to note something here. You remember, lead us not into temptation... God will never lead you or cause you to sin. He will never tempt you to sin. But sometimes he allows you to go through a time of testing. Who led Jesus to the wilderness of temptation? The Spirit. But who tempted Jesus? The devil. You get that? Jesus' his ministry started with temptation. For 40 days, Jesus did not eat. He was on a supernatural fast. And he was tempted by Satan at least three ways that we know of. Fast forward, all throughout Jesus' life, He goes through, through persecution. All throughout Jesus' life, there's a time of testing, a time of trials. Notice at the very end, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, I already shared this verse with you earlier, but Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says to His disciples, Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation, for the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What we don't understand, what the disciples didn't understand, is in the Garden of Gethsemane, That was Jesus' darkest night. Because in that garden of Gethsemane, all of the human and demonic evil was converging in the garden, circling Jesus' head like a pack of vultures. This was his hour, the hour of darkness. In the garden of Gethsemane, And moving forward all the way to the cross was Jesus' greatest test. Forty days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil was nothing compared to what Jesus is about to experience starting in the garden. Starting in the garden, he is going to go through the emotional and spiritual agony of the upcoming separation he knows he's about to have with the Father. He is going to go through a period of arrest and betrayal, mock trials, and a crucifixion. And here's the temptation. Here's the question. Will the sinless God man suffer torture to death for the sins of rebels that he loves? That's the question. That's the temptation. Do you know that if Jesus wanted to, he could have just said to hell with all of you, I'm going to heaven to be with my father. I'm not going to endure this mess. The irony is this. Here's the irony of that whole verse. The irony is that Jesus told his disciples to pray that they wouldn't enter into what? Temptation. But what was he going through? He was in temptation. Jesus was in temptation, telling his disciples to pray that they would be protected from temptation. Jesus was in the furnace. And they saw him in the furnace, but they weren't in the furnace. See, Jesus was not protected from the greatest temptation. He was not protected from the greatest trial of his life. He endured the greatest temptation successfully for us. See, he experienced the horrors of hell. He experienced the onslaught of Satan and the demons and the temptation to save himself, and he overcame. And because Jesus overcame the greatest trial, he has the power to protect us from any temptation or spiritual attack that comes into my life. So let me end with this. We pray this prayer to a father who loves us. We're not praying this prayer to a boss. We're praying it to a father. We're not praying this to our, to our neighbor or a friend. We're praying to our father. And we know that because of Jesus, our prayer of protection is going to be heard. You don't know why? Because he didn't protect his son. So that he can protect us forever. And because of that, he will always provide us a way of escape. It may be endurance, it may be an exit, but he'll always provide a way of escape. Listen, in a sense, God has already answered this prayer. Because you and I will never go through the trial that Jesus went through. We will never need to fear the attacks of Satan like Jesus did. See, we don't have to be discouraged or scared of Satan or temptation because you and I are more than conquerors through the promises of Jesus who died to deliver us. I want to end with this. As a dad, I, I found that there's, just, there's an intense sense of wanting to protect my kids. It just is. And I want to protect my wife. The other day, my kids were saying something to April. I said, listen, you don't talk to my wife like that. Somebody was picking on one of my kids, one of their friends. And buddy, I mean, I was ready. But I didn't want to be on the news, so stop. But I believe that God has given us that instinct as a dad and even as moms. And as a dad, a loving dad, I know I would not knowingly ever place my child in danger. But there are times in my kids' life in situations where they get afraid and they think it's dangerous, but I know they're totally fine. So one of the one of the things that early on with, with my kids is is in a situation like this is when they first learned how to swim. And so what I would do is I would take my kid, you know, two or three years old, four years old, five, all the way up to last week. And, and I would hold them in the water. And then I would pick them up and I would let them go. You ever done that? And when I did that, they, they get scared. And in that moment, they're, they're, they're thinking they're going to drown. And they say, Daddy, 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 help me, help me, help me. And then I grab them, and then they hold on to me for dear life. I love that. I just do. I love that. Now, look, I was never going to let them drown. They were just as safe in my arms as if they weren't in my arms. But in that moment, they didn't think they were safe. In that moment, they thought they were drowning. And so they cried out for help. I grabbed them. I held them. They were safe in my arms. And they were there and they were held. Listen, when we pray this prayer, when we're going through temptation, when we're going through spiritual attack, and we say, Lord, deliver us from the evil one and don't lead me into temptation, you know what we're doing? We're saying, Dad, I need your help. I can't swim on my own. I'm lost without you. Keep me from drowning in temptation. Keep me from, being, from, from dying from these spiritual attacks. And here's what I found, that when we do that and we come to Him, our Father picks us up and He wraps His arms of grace around us and we know that we are safe. Listen, that's what this prayer is all about. Are you struggling this morning with sin? your first step is to go to the Father. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're going to immediately stop it. But if you're struggling with sin this morning, go to the Father. Stop trying to swim on your own. Are you drowning this morning? Maybe some of you are drowning. Are you under attack? Is your family under attack? Is your, is your health under attack? Is other things going on in your life that you just feel like that, that it's just too much for you? That's a good thing. Because it is. But there's nothing too much for God. Cry to the Father. Ask Him to help you. And He will. Some of you this morning, you need to give your life to Jesus. You're drowning. But He'll save you. Because His arms are not too short. They can't save. His heart is not so hardened that He won't save. He loves you. He'll save you. So this morning struggling, come to Jesus. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from it. Thank you for listening to the Central Sanford podcast. For more information or how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.